Welcome to Inspiring People and Places, where we interview national leaders in the architectural, engineering, construction, and development industry in an effort to educate, innovate, and inspire industry professionals to disrupt the status quo, improve their project teams, and steward public and private investments more effectively. I'm your host, BJ Kramer, President and CEO of MCFA. Allow me to introduce today's guest. Inspiring People and Places, we have... I think a gift of a guest today in Sharon Halpert of Halpert Life Safety Consulting, whose mantra and slogan is saving lives for the life of the building. We're going to timestamp this. It's 9-14-2023, just after 9-11. So as I'm thinking about life safety and fire stopping and, and all the things Sharon's doing, I can't help but think about what was going on in that building. And I think that Sharon even has an anti-terrorism accreditation. So we're going to dig into all of it. I'm going to skip the bio because we're going to get to know Sharon as we talk. Sharon, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, BJ. I'm really excited to get here with you. We are excited to talk. You have been in the fire stop industry since 1999. Halpert has been along since when? February will be 13 years. Awesome. So 2010, you've covered $20 billion of projects, 27 million square feet of project space. Talk to us about who Halpert is and what Halpert does today. So Halpert Life Safety Consulting effectively does three basic things. We do training, we do consulting, and we do third-party special inspection of Firestop. And those three things wind up oftentimes being intertwined in some really fun ways. And who do you do it for mostly? The training is typically for anybody who understands that Firestop is a challenge and they want to do it better. And they understand that they need a little bit of coaching. So one of the things that we do with our coaching is not to create a typical consulting scenario where you wind up with somebody who constantly needs you on every single project. I love the idea of taking the consulting and marrying it with the training so that we take your team, we make you better, we help you out a whole lot on your first project, and then we step back and see what you can do on your own. And we stand there sort of like training wheels on your bike when you're a little kid. You start out with training wheels, and then you progress to somebody holding the back of your shirt while you're going down the street. And eventually someone will let go of your shirt. And before you know it, you're on your own on the bike. And then maybe every now and then you need a little more coaching. You need somebody to pump up your tires. You need somebody to adjust your brakes. And we can be there for all of that. So that's sort of our consulting element. Also, for example, we just landed the Pittsburgh International Airport, which is really exciting because that the, the scope that we're doing on that project is really my dream job. So we're going to take the training element of it for the various different trades. And we're going to really raise the bar. So if we take, let's say, a plumber that doesn't really know a whole lot about Firestop, but they're just going to slap that red stuff in the hole and they're going to get it done. But now we take them and we give them some education. We raise the bar. Now we know what they should know and we can know how high we can hold them accountable. And then we'll also support them with document control and QAQC and we're including training the Firestop Special Inspector on that project. So it's going to be really interesting. It's going to be, it's a great team of people. 
that understand that fire stop is important and they really want to get it done right. And they just looked at me and said, come help us. So it's really going to be awesome. So talk to us about what Firestop is and what is the actual problem statement going on that you're dealing with. So Firestop originally came up in the shipbuilding industry. So if there's a fire on a wooden boat, you want to know that you can keep it contained so that the people on one side of the boat are going to be okay so that you could try and fight the fire. Then after the Browns Ferry nuclear power plant fire in March of, what was it? 1975, that started the whole idea of segmenting a building the way they used to segment ships and allowing that building to contain a fire if one started. And that after that fire slowly started progressing that fire stops showed up in the building codes. And it's the idea that you take a fire rated wall or floor and when it's built according to the way it was tested in the fire test lab, you could expect it to have whatever the fire rating would be. And the minute you poke a hole to run any of your services, or the minute that you connect, let's say, a gypsum fire-rated wall to the underside of a concrete deck, and that deck is going to have some sort of movement, how do you maintain the integrity of that connection point? So all of those things, allowing penetrations and connecting rated assemblies, that's what Firestop is. And historically, it has been mineral wool. It has been fire stop sealants. Some of them are maybe a latex or an acrylic sealant. And then some of them are intumescent. And intumescent is just a fancy word for something that has a chemical compound that will expand when it's exposed to higher temperatures. And that's going to be really important whenever you have a combustible penetrating item, such as fiberglass insulation, ABPVC insulation, any sort of a plastic pipe, or something that's often overlooked, not always required, but often required is when you have a large duct, anything over 24 inches, you're going to need to have a, an intumescent material because as that duct heats up in a fire scenario, you're going to need a material that can expand and fill the gap when that duct starts to expand and move and twist and turn. Intumescent material, is that the word you said? Intumescent, yeah. So Firestop has some unique words that you don't typically find in construction. Intumescent is more often than not, it's going to be little graphite flakes. So if you look at a fire stop sealant and there's black, silver, or gray specks in it, then that's going to be an intumescent product. It's not the only chemical composition that can create an intumescent material, but it's going to expand and fill that void that's left when the insulation burns away or when the plastic pipe melts out of the opening. There's a lot of different things. There's sealants that have a little bit of intumescence, or then there's these, what they call a wrap strip, which is basically like a belt that you wrap around your waist, except you're going to wrap it around the plastic pipe. And depending on the size of the pipe and the intumescent capacity of the fire stop material, it may expand a whole lot or a little bit. So literally intumescent materials can expand 30 times their, or sorry, 30% for some of the sealants. Some of the belts can expand up to 600 times their original size. So you can imagine wow. if you're trying to close down a six inch or an eight inch plastic roof drain, you're going to need a lot of intumescent power to crush that plastic pipe as it softens in a fire and prevent fire from actually coming through that assembly. Hmm. And 
I want to get to your journey from when you started in 1999 to, to today. Before you do that, the fact that this, you know, th- this must be a problem in the industry. There may must be issues on job sites. There must be issues on projects that, you know, you, you have an entire business dedicated to it, that there's a six and a half hour training as we were talking before uh, we jumped on that you give. Talk to us about where where is the problem happening? Is it in the trades? Is it in the engineering? Is is it, is it in the specs? Is it in the owner appreciating the issue? What where where do the problems come from? Unfortunately, they come from every direction, and that's good because there's a lot of different directions you can go to if you want to seek change. But it's also a bit overwhelming. So part of it is the trades on a project where the trades are self performing fire stop. One of the big problems is. Let's pick on your plumber. Your plumber knows how to install pipe. They know the drop. They know all the ins and outs of what's important for a plumber. They don't know about Firestop. They don't care about Firestop. And I'm not saying that they don't care, that they're apathetic. I'm saying that that's not what they're trained to do. So the solution could be on some projects, hire a specialty contractor. Challenge with that, though, is the specialty contractor is not the one that's creating the holes. And if the holes are too big or the holes are too small, it doesn't matter how good your Firestop installer is, they're not going to be able to get it right because they're not starting off with the right, the right process. So if somebody really wants to get Firestop right from the beginning of a project, the most important thing for them to do is to take the time, evaluate the project, make sure you have a Firestop system for all of your different applications, and then sit down and look at how big a hole can I have? If it's an insulated pipe, it needs to be a little bit bigger. But what are the parameters of the Firestop detail? The constraints that you're going to have when you're looking at what, what size hole, what materials you're working with. So the biggest solution or the best solution that anybody who's concerned about this can really tackle is to have a plan at the very beginning of their project so that they know that it's going to move a little more smoothly. I'm not saying that having a plan is going to eliminate all of the problems, because if it were that simple, we wouldn't need a general contractor. The general contractor is the one that coordinates all the trades and all these little ins and outs. And if they care about Firestop, that's a huge step in the right direction. Got it. All right. So take us back to the beginning. How did you you land on a path to becoming... (laughs) Uh, and and just so our audience knows, Instagram famous for being the Firestop Coffee Break gal. Ah, oh, that's so sweet. Um, it's really kind of an Alice in Wonderland story. Like if you remember Alice in Wonderland, she fell through all these little rabbit holes and then went, oh, look, here I am. That's kind of my story. I graduated from university. I didn't want to really settle on a career. So I just started traveling. And then before you knew it, seven years had gone by and seven years as a vagabond, if I wrote a resume, it would be boat builder, bartender, kindergarten teacher. And in my head, I'm like, who in the world will hire somebody with no real path for one of those, I don't know, what did they call them? Like a career? So I thought, well, what do I do? Oh, I'll go to graduate school. That'll be the answer. Well, graduate school is typically two years. I get halfway through and I'm like, hey, dummy. You're still just a boat builder, bartender, kindergarten teacher. Now you're going to have this degree and you still have no experience. So I thought, all right, I needed to do a capstone course. So I did that. I did a project with Johnson & Johnson. That was amazing, but it still wasn't enough. So I did an internship. I got invited to do an internship with Hilti. 
And I fell in love, not with anybody mm. in particular. I mean, I worked with some fabulous people, but I fell in love with Firestop and the idea that this little tiny element of construction can have such a tremendous impact on the level of life safety in a building. And I was hooked. So I worked for Hilti for a little while. And then I worked for the second largest distributor of 3M Firestopping. And after that, I was invited to be responsible for quality assurance, quality control on a $9.6 billion project. So 76 acres, and I was the only one on the project until I got pregnant. And my boss said, hey, you're going to do that whole maternity leave thing, and we can't survive without you. So find somebody that you can train to step into your shoes, at least while you're gone. And it was the first time I had the opportunity to actually pick someone. And I got basically, I don't want to say the pick of the litter, but I was basically told, go find someone. So I reached out to other women that I worked with and I said, hey, do you know anyone who doesn't really like what they're doing, but really likes construction? And somebody overheard that conversation and said, hey, you need to talk to Dina. So I went, I met with Dina. I didn't tell her what I was doing. And I was like, hey, how do you like what you're doing? She's like, I don't know. I like this, but I don't like that. And I was like, can you take a lunch break with me? And I want to walk you around the job site. And at the end of an hour of our lunch break, she was like, I love this. How do I do this? And I'm like, come with me. We walked into Tom Horn's office and I said, that's the one I want. And she looked at me. She's like, what? I said, you just told me you don't like what you're doing, but you love what I'm doing. I need you to change teams and come and join us. And she was a godsend. And so then after that project ended, I started Helpert Life Safety Consulting because the building codes were changing. And the 2021 International Building Code was the first time that building codes required special inspection of fire stop. It was mandated on high-rise buildings, risk category three and risk category four. And just for educational purposes, anybody that's working in a project that is under the 2021 building code. That also includes Group R with an occupancy over 250. And if you need to know more about that, just reach out. I'm more than happy to help you. And, and we will make sure that we link everybody or put in the show notes links to all of Sharon's contact information, which include her Instagram page. You said 2021. What, what caused, was there anything in particular that caused that code change? I wasn't part of that whole code change world, but I do know that certain jurisdictions, like there's a jurisdiction in New Hampshire, and once they started to learn about special inspection of fire stop, they went, holy cow, this stuff is important. They couldn't believe how, infrequent, how infrequently it was being done right. Meaning when special inspectors do their first inspection, oftentimes the failure rate was above 75%, which is horrifying. But wow, that just, yeah. it, it's just part of people slapping red stuff in the opening and nobody knowing enough to hold people accountable. Or building officials being just so busy trying to get to all these different projects that they never really have time to learn about it. And if you don't learn about it, you can't really do much about it. So with special right. inspection of Firestop and looking at multifamily senior living center, anything where you have more than 250 people, but let's say it's an older person with a, they're handicapped and they've got a mobility wheelchair. The fires that those things start or micro mobility devices like e-bikes and scooters, that is a modern challenge. And the fire, the building codes come from like the, the time temperature curve 
harkens back to like the 1900s. And the materials that we have in construction now are going to be a lot more combustible. There's more plastics. There's more caustic stuff going into the environment in a fire scenario than there ever were when those fire test standards were originally created. Makes sense. All right. So your passion is palpable. You offer training. You're trying to change really an industry when you when you look at you know, teaching companies, teaching project teams, teaching trades. That's, I mean, that's a form of leadership from my perspective. You're leading an entire movement really to prioritize this and and to educate this. What have you learned through your experience in what, what works and what doesn't work on enforcing and creating accountability around Firestop on projects? I think the thing Anyone that wants to do this right, the biggest thing you need to let go of is your ego. Hmm. And you need to be open to people knowing more than you do. I'll show up on a project. When it comes to Firestop, you're probably not going to beat me. But when it comes (laughs) to how the different trades interact or what the mechanical contractor needs, I will never know as much as the mechanical contractor. So. When I show up as a special inspector, a lot of times people are like, oh, we're going to do whatever it takes to make you happy. And I always laugh. I'm like, dude, I'm going to show up in the project. I'm going to be happy. I'm going to leave this project and I'm going to be happy. I may be happy because I'm leaving your sorry butt behind, but I'm, you're not impacting my happiness one way or the other. All I care about is helping you get this stuff right. And if you care about the liability, if you care about doing your job right, I am an asset on your project. If you want to hide stuff, you want to sweep things under the rug, you're not going to enjoy working with me very much. So money talks, right? Business case analysis. Are there any statistics about where, how much Firestop has cost the industry or lack of Firestop has cost the industry in either, you know, insurance claims, liability, lives? Mm. So the fire sprinkler industry does a Mm -hmm. fabulous job of talking about when sprinkler systems work. But you know when a sprinkler system goes off. You don't know when fire stopping is activated or not activated, if it's installed right or not installed right. And here's, here's something that I'm not saying that I know what I'm talking about. I'm simply repeating what I've heard to other people. One of my arguments was, why doesn't the insurance industry care more about a building during construction to make sure that the fire stop is done right. And I'm not going to knock FM, but I, it's the only company that I've ever seen. So I was on a project, it was FM insured. So they wanted to make sure X, Y, and Z things were done right. I stalked them one day and I didn't see them once look at fire stop. I spent two Mm. hours stalking them. And not once did I see anybody point at fire stop that was missing. And they were assessing the life safety elements of that building. I've been on projects where when it comes, yeah, but here's, and when I asked somebody who was from FM and again, I'm not knocking FM, they're brilliant people that do amazing things. They do the best that they know how to do to protect people. But when I asked someone who used to work for FM, why don't they care about Firestop? The answer that I got 
And again, I'm not saying that this is right or wrong. And I would love somebody from the insurance industry to grab me and go, Sharon, I want to educate you because you're wrong. I want to know more about it. I just don't. So what I do know is what I've been told. And what I've been told is the insurance company shows up and all they care about is mitigating the, the risk and mitigating the damage and making sure that they don't have to pay out huge sums of money. Well, in my mind, if Firestop is installed properly, you can mitigate that risk a lot more than if you just go, well, whatever, we'll see what happens. I was on a large project and when it came time to do the, the smoke control assessment, they were checking the smoke zones. Anytime that they had a problem meeting the requirements that they needed, the guy would call me out. His name is Anthony. And he goes, Sharon, come here. Walk this corridor, for example. We've got a problem here, but we don't know where. It was always failing because of Firestop. Maybe it was mm. failing because the head of wall joint wasn't Firestop properly. Maybe it was Firestopped properly, but there was too much deck movement. And now that seal that was once okay is no longer okay. Or maybe there's a piece of duct that's running because architects always want to have their ceilings as high as possible. So that duct is running high and tight to the ceiling. Well, if you've got an 18 inch duct and it's tight to the underside of the floor above, your Firestop contractor is going to get about an inch in on one side, come down on the left side, across the bottom, up the right side, and about an inch in on the top. If it's an 18-inch duct and they have an inch or an inch and a half across the, the top left and top right side, how much air is going to get through above that duct? I can't answer the a question lot. until you can tell me how exactly how wide is that and how tall is that gap. But regardless, that's going to be where you're failing your smoke control. And if that isn't planned out in advance, for architects that have space, institute a no-fly zone. If you go to my YouTube channel, there's a whole discussion about no-fly zones. But basically, it's the idea of telling all of your trades, you need to give a certain, I don't know, 6-inch, 12-inch, whatever drop below that joint, and no penetrations go through on that joint. If you do pre-rock, which is where you go in and you put maybe three feet of drywall at the top, then all of your trades go through after that. That is going to be a huge step in the right direction because now the drywaller isn't going to have to come in later and puzzle piece a fire rated wall together and never be able to maintain any of the ratings that you really want in a rated assembly. What an education. You've got me excited about it and I don't deal with it on a day-to-day -day basis. Inspiring People in Places is brought to you by MCFA. MCFA is a CVE-verified, service-disabled, veteran-owned small business. At MCFA, our why is to inspire people in places through project leadership. We provide planning, strategy, program management, and construction management support services to a wide variety of public and private sector clients. I want to I shift gears a little bit to some rapid-fire questions while we, while we have you. Cool with okay. that? Absolutely. Any Fire favorite away. quotes? I like Einstein's quote of, if you can't explain something simply, you simply don't understand it well enough. Because a lot of times mm. I talk to people who are involved with educating about Firestop and they say, oh, we need to dumb it down. And I get offended for every single trade that wants to do Firestop right because they're not idiots. They don't need anything dumbed down. They just need to be educated. Another quote that I really love is Maya Angelou because Oftentimes when I do Firestop training, at some point, something will hit someone and they'll, they'll get hit hard. 
I'll give you a perfect example. We did a training on commercial kitchen grease duck wrap. And halfway through the class, the guy came, one of the guys came up to me and he goes, Sharon, I've been doing this forever. We've never done this right. And three months ago, we lost a building because of a commercial kitchen fire. And I did that inspection. And I didn't do what you're telling me needs to be done. And I told him my favorite Maya Angelou quote, you do the best that you can until you know better and then you can do better. But until then, you can only do what you know to do. So that's my favorite quote whenever anybody's getting upset that they didn't do things right. Not saying it's okay, but just saying, I've been in that boat. I've done things wrong too. It's just human. But keep learning. And every time you learn, do two things. Do things better and teach someone else. I love that. Any must-read books? Two books that I'm, I've lately been really having a lot of fun with. One is Keith, Farra- Keith Ferrazzi's Never Eat Alone. So Love that it's book. huge on networking and just making really unique connections with people. And another book on connecting with people is Meet Me on the Bridge. This is written by Kimberly Sasita. She actually, when I was in grad school, she actually was on my rugby team. And she's worked for some big name companies, Apple for one. And she's written a book on building bridges and and strengthening relationships, both from a managerial standpoint, reaching to the people that you manage and making sure you have good connections. And also, if you're not in a managerial position, how do you reach out to your managers and make good, solid connections that will strengthen your career? And that's valuable no matter what industry you're in. I agree. Meet me on the bridge. Who? What's her name? Kimberly Sasita. All right. We'll make sure we get that in the show notes. Dead or Alive. Absolutely. Speaking of Keith Ferrazzi, you get to have dinner. Dead or Alive, three people you would have dinner with. We'd have to throw him on the list. And I know he's alive. So he would. <laughs> he'd be a lot of fun because... From what I understand, he's big on giving to anybody that he feels a good connection with. He'll do whatever he can to help make them better at whatever they're dreaming about. Bill Belichick, because I'm a Patriots fan. I'm from Maine originally, and Boston is just, that's, that's my go-to team. Love me or hate me, I don't care. I was on a job site one time, and it was right after the Patriots won their first Super Bowl, and I had a do-rag underneath my hard hat, and it had the Patriots logo on it. And the guy running the man lift looks just at nobody and he goes, I hate bleeping fair weather fans. I stood in front of him and I'm, I'm five <laughs> foot four. I'm not very big. I stood in front of him and I was like, if you ever call me a fair weather fan again, so help me God, you and I are going to have some serious words. And after that, every time I saw him, we'd talk about the last game. And he and I, the one thing we shared in common from a football standpoint was both we love football. And we hated the Dallas Cowboys. We share that in common, uh, hating, hating the Cowboys. So, all right, I'll because because we timestamp my- this, because we timestamp this, I I have to go here. You're obviously not a listener to the Inspiring People and Places podcast. I'm a huge Philadelphia Eagles fan. As a matter of fact, it's nine fourteen Thursday night football. We have the Minnesota Vikings tonight. So after oh, this podcast, we're we're headed down there. 
but yes, we can we can unite against the Dallas Cowboys. Okay, I will do that. I cut you off. You said Dean Martin. That was the one thing my dad and I argued about. That was who was better, Frank Sinatra, Frank, Frank Sinatra or Dean Martin? I always said Dean Martin. I gotcha, gotcha. All right, so we got Keith Ferrazzi, Bill Belichick, and Dean Martin. That'll be an interesting dinner. I have to give credit to Bill Belichick. I mean, I can't stand the Patriots. I'm so excited that we went in and beat them on Tom Brady Day in New England. But Bill <laughs> Belichick does deserve all the credit in the world for yeah. for building. You know, he did have Tom Brady. So, you know, he had that. That was just a magical combination. It was. All right, let's wrap it up. Talk to us. Talk to the industry. First, what do you want your legacy to be? And second, what? closing inspiration do you have for our industry to ensure that they focus on the power of better fire stop? My legacy, I want to have a colossal impact on the level of life safety and construction, whether that's through developing new products or educating or consulting on on projects like the Pittsburgh airport. Let's make your legacy come true. What 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 closing uh, statement do you have for our industry? If you want to do it better, reach out for help. And it's not just me. Pick your favorite Firestop manufacturer. Grab them and tell them, I want to learn more. Teach me. I've got tons of free content. We've got paid content. There's so many different ways to learn more about Firestop. So learn more. And then as soon as you learn something, teach it to somebody because that's the best way to really get that fact ingratiated into your brain. Awesome. Sharon, thank you for joining us. Thank you for your passion. Where can people find you? Uh, We will make sure to put in the show notes, but while they're listening, just in case they're listening and walking on LinkedIn what's or Instagram, what's the best places for them to find you? I'll probably communicate better with you on LinkedIn. You can track all of our contact information on our website. I am on Facebook and Instagram, but I'm not, I'm not actually on there a whole lot. And somehow I got banned from TikTok after my second video. I don't know what, what I did wrong. That's okay. TikTok, TikTok's been banned from government contractors anyway, so... We'll stick to Instagram and LinkedIn. Sharon Halpert, thank you so much for what you do and for joining us. And to everybody else, have a great week and a great weekend. Hey, everybody. If you're enjoying this show, do us a favor and subscribe to Inspiring People and Places on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast hosting platform. We'd also greatly appreciate if you left us a review and shared this with other entrepreneurial public servants and all your friends and family in the AEC space. Be sure to visit our website, www.mcfaglobal.com. Sign up for our newsletter to stay in touch with us and learn about all of the projects and clients we're helping. Last but not least, we are hiring. We are always hiring. Do us a favor. Take a look at what jobs we have open. Contact us through our website or connect with me on LinkedIn. Until next time, have a great rest of your week and a great weekend.